Let's get into John chapter one together today. Um, Just before we read, let's just remember the basics. This book of the Bible is called the gospel according to John because it was written by a guy named John. And this author of this book is John the apostle. And as we emphasized last week, John the apostle is one of Jesus's closest friends. And we, we, uh, we made it clear last week, why did John write this gospel? He tells us exactly what his purpose is at the end of the gospel in John chapter 20, verse 31, where he says, these things are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. And that by believing, you may have life in his name, right? That's the purpose of this gospel. That's the purpose of all the the chapters of this book, including chapter one that we're gonna be talking about today. So John wants you to read this letter. He wants me to preach this message in such a way that communicates the truth about Jesus, that he's the Christ, he's the son of God, and he's hoping that you would read, that the hearers and the readers would believe upon Jesus and have life in his name. And so that's what we want for you today as well. Well, last week when we looked at verses one through five, we talked about three aspects of Jesus that are like uh, facets of a diamond that make his light shine. The more we see him, who he really is, the brighter he shines to us. Last week we looked at verses one through five and we saw that Jesus uh, has divinity. We talked about how Jesus uh, has vitality and how Jesus has victory, right? We said that Jesus was the word who was with God and who was God from the beginning. That's his divinity. We looked at uh, how Jesus, um, the scripture says, all things were made through him and in him was life, right? That's his vitality. We talked about his victory in the sense that he shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome him. So those are the truths about Jesus that we covered last week. I hope that the more you believe truthfully about Jesus, I hope that the doctrinal truth of Christ just make the light of Christ sparkle and shine to you. So last week, we really introduced who the light is, Jesus. This week, we want to talk about how do we come to see the light? And the answer is through witnesses, through witnesses. Let's look at verses six through eight. The scripture reads this way. It says that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Guys, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. I am happy to get into God's word with you today. In our passage, you're going to see that the the word witness is repeated multiple times. Um, Being a witness, talking about John the Baptist as a witness is uh, really the kind of the main thrust of what's going on in our section for today. And so when we talk about being a witness today, I want us to think like last week we talked about um, really uh, having the light shine to us about Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about having the light shine through us as his witnesses. So here's the big idea. If you've seen the light of Christ, show the light as a witness. It's the main thought from the sermon today. If you've seen the light of Christ, then show the light as a witness. In our text, I want us to see three things about being a witness. I want us to see the meaning of a witness, the message of a witness, and then also the motive of a witness. And as you leave here today, I hope that you leave here with your mind and your heart set on Jesus and that the Holy Spirit would stir in you to uh, build a desire for you to be a witness for Jesus this coming Christmas season, all right? So let's get into it. John 1, verse six through seven. To start out, we're gonna look at what it is uh, when it comes to the meaning of a witness, the meaning of a witness. Verse six starts right out and it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
And I just want to stop right here because, uh, you know, uh, we need to just make sure everybody's on the same page about something. All right, I don't want you to be confused. This, this letter is called the gospel according to John, and yet there's also a man here whose name is John. These two Johns are not the same guys, all right? I just want to make it clear. The, you know, the, uh, the author of this gospel is John the Apostle, but the John mentioned in this verse is John the Baptist, right? And, uh, you know, more accurately translated, maybe in some of your, your, your versions of scripture, instead of calling him John the Baptist, the more accurate version would be to call him um, John the Baptizer, right? Uh, yes, we're in a Baptist church, but denominations like ours did not exist in the day of Jesus, right? It's not like there was John the Baptist, and then a village over there was John the Methodist, and then a village over there was John the Episcopal or whatever, right? Like, that's not the way it was. John was a baptizer, right? This was a unique part of his ministry, baptizing people um, uh, in repentance and faith in, Jesus, in the Messiah. Now, John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin, um, in fact, if you read Luke 1, uh, we're not going to do that today, but if you just go back and read Luke 1 on your own, you'll see that um, John the Baptist was actually born six months before Jesus, which to me is just a small but really interesting fact. Because if you look down in John chapter 1 to verse 15 and then down to verse 30, John the Baptist says that Jesus was greater than him since Jesus was before him. Now catch that for a second. John the Baptist says, Jesus is greater than me since he was before me. Even though John the Baptist was born six months before Jesus. Right? So what do we see automatically about John the Baptist? John the Baptist knew that his cousin was the eternal divine son of God. He recognized his own cousin's divinity. Now I don't know about you. I've got some amazing cousins. But for me to like come to the realization that one of them is divine, right? That's like a whole new level, right? Like the, and you, you understand how significant this would have been for John the Baptist to recognize the divinity of his cousin. My point is very simple. When we read about John here in verses six through eight, we're talking about John the Baptist, not John the apostle. But what does John the apostle want us to know about John the Baptist when he writes about them here? Here's what he says in verse seven. In verse seven, he says, John came as a witness to bear witness about the light. So the word witness is repeated here in verse seven. It's mentioned again in verse eight. The word witness in the original Greek language is the word martyria. Um, martyria is a, is a legal term. Um, it's, a, it's a word that is kind of a, it's about one who gives testimony in order to have their testimony kind of uh, help determine what is true about a person or a situation. So what we need to do is kind of imagine ourselves in a courtroom and imagine that, you know, John, the writer of this gospel, calls John the Baptist to be the first witness on the stand to say, tell us what you know. And John the Baptist is, is really speaking out. And when he does so, he's bearing witness about the truth of the person of Jesus Christ. So when we think about John the Baptist, there are some things that we need to notice here. Notice that John the Baptist is a man with a mission. John the Baptist is a man with a mission. It says in verse six that John the Baptist was a man sent by God, right? He was a man. I, just, I know this is basic, but I want us to remember when it comes to John the Baptist, we're not talking about some supernatural figure, right? He, was, he wasn't God. He wasn't divine. He wasn't the eternal son of God. He was not 
you know, with God, as God in the beginning, the way Jesus was. He was a regular man with a temporary life on this earth, like you and me. In the stories of the gospel accounts, we read not only about John the Baptist's birth, but we also read about his death. And, and you know, that he was a man like me and you. But he was a man on a mission. Verse six says that he was a man sent by God. And that word sent is the word apostello. And it means to be a, a messenger who is sent out, an ambassador, one who is sent or assigned a task by another. And so what we see right away is that God gave John the Baptist a task. John sent, God, God sent him out. And the, the mission that God gave for John the Baptist was to prepare the way for the Messiah. John the Baptist was a man with a mission. God had this laid out for him. In fact, again, if you, just on your own this week, maybe you want to read Luke chapter one. And you'll see that when John the Baptist was born, when he actually, when he was still in his mother's womb, his parents were told by an angel that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit even while he was in his mother's womb. This angel appeared to his dad and said, you're, you're going to conceive this baby in your old age and your child's going to be filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. And God's going to use your child. He's going to use his life to turn many people back to God. This son would uh, fulfill the prophecies that were written hundreds of years before by the man Isaiah. And he would fulfill these prophecies and he would help people prepare to meet the Lord. So before John the Baptist was born, God had a mission for his life. Let me just say this for you. Before you were born, God had a purpose and a plan for your life too. You are not an accident like we talked about last week. You were born on purpose with a purpose. The scripture teaches us in Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's workmanship. That means his handiwork. Right? We are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Listen, every one of you who's alive right now, God has you alive for a reason. He has you, he's made you perfectly the way you are, gifted you the way you are, shaped your life experiences the way that they've been because he has a purpose that he intends for you to fill out in your life and he prepared those ways for you beforehand so that you would walk in them. Beforehand means before you were born. It's the same thing as the psalmist says in Psalm 139 verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me. When as yet... There was none of them, right? So God, you know, prepared all the days that you would ever live before any of those days ever existed, right? Your, God has given you your life and your life has a purpose. And if you're a Christian, one of the purposes of your life is to be a witness. You will never be, if you're a Christian, you will never be satisfied until you live your life for the purpose for which God has made you. You will always have something longing in your soul that will feel like life's just not really, I, it doesn't seem like I'm living out all that God made me to, to, to live for until you start to truly live for Christ and to make him known. And then you'll be living for the exact purpose that God has made you to fulfill. You know, it's really interesting to me. God could have made Christ known. God could have made the Messiah known in any way he chose. But the manner in which God has chosen to um, to help people see the light of Jesus, he's chosen people. His method to make Christ known has been to give people voices with mouths, with understanding of the gospel that we can preach and tell and proclaim to the world. 
He could have chosen any way to make Christ known, but he chose to make Christ known through witnesses like you and like me. It's why Jesus told his disciples, uh, you know, um, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8. It's why Jesus told his followers, let your light shine so that people can see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven, Matthew 5.16. It's why Peter would write and say, you know, that we as God's people are to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, 1 Peter 2.9 says. So God raises up men, mankind, human beings, like me and like you, to be his witnesses in this world. That's what it means to be a witness. Now, let's talk about this message that witnesses are to proclaim, right? As, as witnesses, we have a, a story to tell. We have an announcement to make. What's the message of a witness? Verse seven says that John came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. So John's message was a message about the light. And you guys know this, but who is the light? You can just say it right aloud. Jesus, right? So John the Baptist's message was all about Jesus. You can read the gospel accounts and read over and over again how John the Baptist preached about Jesus, but rather than have you turn to a bunch of different passages, you've already got your Bible open to John chapter one. I just want you to look down at verses 29 through 34. Look down at verse 29 through 34 with me. And we're going to get a little snippet into the preaching, a little glimpse into the preaching of John the Baptist. Look, look how he preached. He says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, right, imagine him saying to the crowds that were with him, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, saying what? I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the son of God. Guys, that's just a little glimpse into John the Baptist preaching. John the Baptist preaching was all about Jesus. Jesus who was before him. Jesus who was ranked above him. Jesus who takes away sin, right? Jesus who baptizes with the spirit. Jesus on whom the spirit descended. Jesus on whom the spirit remained. Jesus, the lamb of God. Jesus, the son of God. This John the Baptist says, this is the man who I've seen. And this is the man about whom I bear witness. John the Baptist's message was all about Jesus and that Jesus was the light. John wasn't the light. John the Baptist wasn't the light. That's what verse eight says, right? Verse eight says he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. You know, all through the gospel accounts, we see that people were confused about John the Baptist and Jesus, right? You start to see in Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter six, Jesus had been doing many signs and wonders, but Herod the Great, you know, came and, and uh, you know, he, he, said, um, he said about Jesus, he said, this is John the Baptist. He's been raised from the dead. Because remember, Herod, right, he had John the Baptist beheaded and killed. And then Jesus came on the scene doing all these miracles and Herod the Great was confused. He said, oh no, this is John the Baptist raised from the dead. He's freaking out. 
Mark chapter 8, Luke chapter 9, one day Jesus was walking with his disciples and he asked his disciples, he said, who do people say that I am? And what did the disciples say? Some say that you, Jesus, are John the Baptist. Right? People were kind of confusing and conflating the two. Luke chapter 3, it tells us that people were questioning in their hearts whether or not John the Baptist might be the Christ. And what does John the Baptist say? John the Baptist says, he who is coming is greater than I. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Right? He must increase. I must decrease, John said. People often thought that John the Baptist might be the Christ, but John came as a witness to bear witness about Jesus, the light. Jesus, the light of the world. John came to help people see him. John wanted to reflect him. He wanted people to see who the light really was. Think with me about the sun and the moon. Just get a picture of it right now in your mind. The sun and the moon. The sun is the light of our solar system, right? The light of our world. It's a, it's a blazing star that's brighter and, and hotter than we can even imagine, right? We can't even look at it. We can't even approach that light. And then there's the moon, just a ball of dust, just floating around in the sky. You ever thought about that? Like, what's up with the moon? Like, we, in the night, we look up at the moon, and it looks like the moon is actually shining, right? It looks like there's light coming out of the moon, but really, all that moon is is just a floating ball of dust. Well, how does it look bright to us? It looks bright to us simply because it reflects the light of the sun, right? It has, the moon has no light of its own. It just reflects the light of the sun. Guys, John the Baptist was as the moon is to the sun. John the Baptist was not the light. He's just a man. He was, just came from dust to dust. He's going to return. Yet he came to bear witness about the light. He came to reflect the light. He came to shine the light. And that's us as witnesses, right? You and I, we're not the light. We're not the light. We're just dust. We're just human beings, our job is to reflect Jesus to the world, the dark world that we live in. Don't confuse, don't confuse the witness with the light. Don't confuse, listen to me for just a second. Far too many people place their hope in a pastor or a Christian leader rather than Christ. So many people get caught up in their favorite celebrity pastor or podcaster or, you know, video preacher, whatever it is. We get caught up in the, you know, our favorite pastor of the day. And we build our lives around our favorite Christian leader and then something happens, right? And that Christian leader disappoints us, fails, lets us down. Some of them turn away from the faith. And sometimes people, right, they turn away from the faith too because their person that they're following fell or disappointed or turned away from the faith. Why is that? It's because they confused the, the witness with the light. You guys with me on that? We were never called to believe in a preacher for our salvation. We were called to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So don't put your ultimate hope in a pastor. Don't put your ultimate hope in a preacher or Christian leader. You can love them. You can respect them. You can honor them. In fact, I, I, the scripture very clearly calls us to be in a church where we do love and respect and honor our leaders. And I want to be the type of pastor who over time earns your love and your respect. But I'm telling you right now, if I ever get off track and start calling people to Follow me, trust in me, make this message all about me. Somebody better give me a rebuke. I'm, I'm serious about this. 
I do not want to go to my grave having made a ministry about myself. I hope I point you to Jesus for the rest of my life. Guys, don't confuse the light and the witness. What did John the Baptist say about Jesus? He must increase. I must what? Decrease. That's the heart of a witness. That's the heart of a faithful witness. Why does a witness proclaim the message of Christ? It's our last point, right? We've, we've talked about the meaning of a witness. We've talked about the message of a witness. But what's the motive of a witness? The motive of the witness is shown in verse 7. John came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Why? So that all might believe through him. That's the motive of a witness, that other people would believe through him. That's the motive of a witness. We want people to come to trust in Christ through our, the message of our lives. The word believe is an interesting word in the, in the original language of Greek. It's, it's the word pastuo. And pastuo means to put one's total trust or confidence in. It's, far, it's much deeper than just believing like in the mental agreement sense. It's a type of belief that causes a change in your behavior. The classic example is that of a, a chair, right? Where you, you can acknowledge this is a chair or you can believe so much that you sit in the chair. It's like the same, I, I tell people it's, you know, coming to believe in Jesus is like, it's like water, right? Like you can acknowledge water that there's H2O and that if you take a drink, it will quench your thirst. Like you can know all the facts about water, but you gotta come to the point where you take a drink. Right? Where you take it in and your thirst actually gets quenched. Right? True belief in Jesus doesn't just mean you acknowledge the facts. He lived, he died, he rose again. Great. Doesn't mean that you believe, yeah, he's the son of God. And, you know, yeah, he can take away the sins of the world. It means that you place your total trust, your total confidence in him. That you place your life in his hands saying, Lord, you're my only hope. Right? So, so have you really believed the message of Christ? <clears throat> if I asked you today, are you a sinner? I think most of us in this room would say, yeah, I sin. I mess up all the time. If I said to you today, okay, well, how do your sins get forgiven in God's eyes? Let me tell you this. If your answer is, is anything else other than my sins can only be forgiven through the precious blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross for me. If you have any other answer, you have not truly believed in Christ. If I asked you, why should God accept you when this life is over? And this life will be over for us one day. And we stand before God in judgment. Why, why should God ever accept you into his perfect holy presence? Why should he ever accept you into his perfect eternal kingdom? How can you become acceptable to God? If your answer is the only way I'm acceptable to God is because of Jesus. If you have any other answer, I, I lived a good life. I did enough good deeds. prayed enough prayers. Went to church gave, went on mission trips. Those are all things about like what you did. If your answer is anything other than my hope is in Jesus, then you haven't truly believed. You must believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. True belief is placing your whole trust and your whole confidence in Christ for your salvation. Have you believed in Christ today? God sent John to be a witness so that people would believe through him. I believe God has sent me as a witness today 
so that you hear the gospel and that you believe through the simple preaching of a dummy like me. God, you know, this is why we're on the earth, guys, so that people would believe through us. We're to be witnesses. John preached about the coming of Christ. People, he called people to repent and believe in the gospel and then to demonstrate their belief through baptism. They would receive forgiveness for their sins through trust in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. I'm so excited today, guys. We have like 20 people signed up for our baptism class this afternoon. Praise God for that. That's right. I'm so excited about it. But that's the public demonstration of the fact that you've come to believe in Christ is that you're baptized in water. But John wanted people to, to, to be ready when the Christ showed up. Because he, you listen to John's preaching, he says, you know, Christ is going to come and he's going to be like light and he's going to expose the darkness of sin in the world. He knew that people's sins were going to be exposed through Jesus and he wanted them to be made right in God's eyes. And the only way that they could be made right is by trusting in Jesus. So God, John called people to believe in Christ, that the world might believe through him. He wanted to be a tool. He wanted to be a conduit. He wanted his life to be used by God to do what? To help people know Christ. That's what we want our lives to be about, knowing Christ and making him known. I don't know about you, but like I want my life to be a channel for people to come to know Jesus. I want to... I pray like, Lord, use my life to help somebody somewhere come to faith. If you're a Christian today, who was the witness that shared the gospel with you? Who proclaimed Christ to you? Maybe there were multiple, maybe you heard the gospel from multiple people. But somewhere along the way, somebody had to tell you about Jesus. Who was that person? I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to be that person, right? Like I want to be the one who shares the gospel so that others might come to believe. So today we've talked about being a witness, right? We've talked about the meaning of a witness, one sent to tell a message. We've talked about the message of a witness, right? That's the message of Christ. We've talked about the motive of a witness that people would come to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the big question for you. One simple question for you. If you're a Christian today, here's the question. Will you show the light of Christ this Christmas? Will you show the light of Christ this Christmas? Last week we asked, have you seen the light? This week we're asking, will you show the light? Church family, I think we all need to just kind of get back to the basics. Like, really, what, what is Christmas all about? Jesus didn't come just so we could have a few days off work and hang up Christmas lights and, you know, enjoy the festivities and share presents and things like that. Like, we could do all those things if Jesus hadn't come. That's not what Christmas is all about. He came so that mankind can be forgiven of their sin and made right with God. Jesus was the gift of God for your eternal life. You want to talk about presents at Christmas, receive the greatest gift. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He came so that we can have peace with God in our hearts, so that our consciences can be cleansed from our sin. He came so that we no longer have to be afraid of death and dying, but we can have hope of eternal life with God forever. Guys, the world needs to hear the message. You guys with me? The world needs to hear, whose responsibility is it? 
It's ours. It's our call. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not just your responsibility. It is your privilege. We get to tell the greatest news in the world to a very broken and dying world. Just as the Lord Jesus came that first Christmas morning, he's gonna come again. He's gonna come again. And until he comes again, it is the mission of the church and the privilege of every believer to make him known. Hey, is there a... Is there a person on your heart right now that you know you need to share the message with? Is God calling you to be a witness to a very specific person? Maybe it's a coworker, a family member, a neighbor, a friend. Who, maybe there's somebody that the Lord's putting it on your heart. Hey, this week, make sure they know the, the real meaning of Christmas. Maybe some of you, we've talked about a witness today. God had a very unique and special calling on John the Baptist's life. Maybe for some of you, you've been wrestling with a unique calling where you, you know the Lord might be calling you into pastoral ministry, ministry in the church, ministry as a missionary elsewhere. If that's you, this season, surrender to that call. If you wanna talk about it, tell me, let me know. I'd love to talk with you about it if you're sensing that unique call. But whether it's a general call to make Christ known or a very specific call into ministry or missions, let's not forget the big idea. If you've seen the light of Christ, show the light of Christ as a, as a witness. If you've seen the light of Christ, show the light of Christ as a witness. And may God make us a church who really lets the light of Christ shine this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, this is a great privilege that you've given us, the best news in the world to be able to proclaim what you've done to save sinners like us. And now, Lord, we... Um, we have, it probably need, some of us need to repent today that we we go into the holiday season with some other great desire, something else that is our main focus other than really helping the world know what Christmas is truly all about. Lord, would you, would you move in our hearts and give us joy and gladness and readiness to act upon every opportunity that you give us to let your light, the light of Christ, the let it shine in this world, especially during this Christmas season where we have such a great cultural opportunity to do so. Lord, let, would you make UBC a church where people are really passionate and devoted and glad to share the gospel with others this Christmas season? I pray, Lord, also for anybody in this room who today, their hearts are restless. They know that they... Uh, they need to receive the message of the witness, that they need to receive the message of Christ for the forgiveness of their sin. And Lord, I pray for anybody who's here today who doesn't have that peace and assurance that they are saved and forgiven and ready to be with you for eternity. I pray that today they would repent of their sin, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Jesus, you are a great savior. Thank you that you save sinners like us. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.